0: Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. So I'm just blessed to be here this morning and to get into the things that God has for us. I don't always tell jokes, but when I do, people laugh. So I got one for you this morning. <laughs> that was funny. Um, this is—I'm going to read this one too. Normally, I just memorize them, but I want you to hear this. A new pastor was visiting in the homes of his parishioners. At one house, it seemed obvious that someone was at home, but no one answer. No answer came to his repeated knocks at the door. Therefore, he took out a business card and wrote Revelations three twenty on the back of it, and stuck it in the door. There, uh, when the offering was passed the following Sunday, he found that uh, that card had been returned. Added to it was the, uh, the uh, verse Genesis 3.10. Reaching, the, uh, reaching for his Bible to check out the citation, he broke out into laughter. Revelations 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock anyone opens, I will come in. Genesis 3.10 reads, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid for I was naked. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Praise God. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn if you will. I want to begin in Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. I'm going to be ministering along the lines of Does it matter? The title of my message this morning is, Does It Matter? As a traveling minister, God has given us a voice to the body of Christ. I believe in this time and this season that we're living in to prepare us, to awaken us to a proper mindset of how we ought to be believing, how we ought to be acting, conducting ourselves as the body of Christ in this time right before the return of Jesus, and so I'm going to be diving into some things this morning about, does it matter, A uh, underlining title would be creating a statement of belief, creating in your life a statement of belief. And I want to jump into Mark chapter 5 here, starting in verse 21. This is the, uh, I'm sure if you've been in church at all, you've heard this story. This is the story of Jairus. And It says here, now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, and Jairus of the synagogue, let's do that again, and behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and begged him earnestly, saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death, come. And lay your hands on her that she may be healed. Now I want you to underline, make note of this, this statement that he makes. He's imploring Jesus. There's an urgency. All parents can identify with this this heartfelt plea for the master, Jesus, to come and begin to make a difference in the life of their young daughter that was on the bed of affliction. And he stands there begging Jesus. But I love what he does here. He makes a statement of belief. He says, come and lay your hands on her that she may live. And then he says, and she will live. It was a confident decree of what he believed. He said, if you come and you lay your hands on her, she will live. Why was Paul writing this? Why was he, uh, why was, I'm sorry, this, this, let me back up. Let me calm down. Y'all all right this morning? I'm going to take my time. We're going to chill. I don't know what's going on, but we're in it to win it. Come on, somebody. Here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 and 14, the Passion's Translation. I want to pause for a moment in that story. I want to leave Jairus there. He's made his statement, his belief. That if you come and lay your hands on my daughter, she will live. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 13 and 14, if I was you, I would write this scripture down. I would... Print it. I would get it out. I would put it on your refrigerator. I like the Passions Translations, the one I'm gonna to read to you this morning. I have this verse on my fridge. Every time I go to the fridge, I read it, I see it, because I believe it is a verse that applies to the season that we're living in. It says this, remember. How many of y'all like when somebody reminds you of something? Somebody made a million dollars off a posting note, but here we go. Remember, stay alert. Everybody say, stay alert. Stay and hold firmly. Everybody make a fist. Hold in there like this. Come on, just for an illustration. It says, hold firmly to all that you believe. Not loosely, not lightly, but firmly. Hold on to all that you believe. Be mighty and full of courage. This is a a bold declaration. This is a statement from a father of the faith that is sitting here encouraging a church of what their mentality and their outlook ought to be in the time that they were living. You need to be alert. You need to be awake. And you need to hold firmly to all that you believe. Why was Paul writing like this i believe it was because there was a temptation to relax and push back from the beginning beliefs the things the core convictions the things that had been instilled in them by the disciples the ministers the preachers the things that laid the foundation for their belief system And there had come maybe some trials, some some resistance, some people that were putting pressure upon the church, upon the people. And Paul's writing to this church and he's saying, folks, listen to me, we've got to stay alert. We have to hold firmly to what we believe. Be mighty in him and full of courage. Courage. I love this word courage. It means the ability to stand in the face of opposition without fear. That I can stand in all that the world is presenting and using to attack, diminish, belittle the beliefs that I have in my life. I can stand in the face of every attack of the enemy, every opposition that he brings to slow me down, to stop me, and I can do so without fear or trepidation. There's a quality of your spirit within you. It's called courage. We are living at the end of the age, the end of the end, and even more so need to be reminded that we must wipe the sleep from our eyes. Solidify our core convictions as complacency and lackadaisical mindsets ignore the urgency of our time a time of acceleration and application as the taking away of the church is imminent and the return of Christ is soon. Jesus is about to crack the sky and take his church home, his bride to be with him. With this knowledge and this mentality, I want to ask you a question this morning. Does it matter what you believe? Doesn't matter what you believe. There is a huge movement right now of, because, and I'll make statements of this here in a minute, but there's a huge move right now of dismantling, stepping back from the beliefs that you've had that, that were created in times past because of events or things that have happened in your life. The devil's trying to bring a, hesitation, a a recalculation of, is that really what you believe? A belief system, listen to this, a belief system or a worldview is created by absolute truth. It should be created by absolute truth. We know that the word of God is truth. We need, I like to say this, we need a revival of the Bible. I know the colleges are having revival. and One minister was like, some guys were speculating and criticizing. What do you think about the revival at Asbury? Well, I think they need, you know. It's like, man, come on, just sit back and magnify God. People are getting healed. People are worshiping. They're praying. The presence of God is present. Quit criticizing it and just get involved. Come on, somebody. Believe God for, you know, I heard one man say it this way. God's not asking you to change the world. He's just asking you to start with your family. Just start with yourself. A revival starts with one person saying, you know what? I'm getting radical about Jesus. I'm going all in. No reserve. I'm his, he's mine. We're going all out. But we need a revival of the Bible. We must always go back to the word What does the word of God say about your situation? What does God's word say about your situation? What's he say about your body? What's he say about your finances? What's he say about your career, your business, your family? What does God's word say? I like this. I wrote this down. If anyone can cast shade, you don't know what that means? If any I'm hip. Okay, if anyone can cast shade, I thought that was good. If they can get you to speculate the validity or the integrity of God's word, your belief system is compromised. I know people that have grown up in the Word of God and having now conversations with them where they begin to go, well, you know, the Word of God was written by men. And they start, what are they doing? They're pushing back and they're speculating about the validity and the integrity of God's Word. Listen, if this isn't true, let's all pack it up and go home. Because everything that God spoke to the Bible says in 2 Timothy three sixteen, all Scripture... All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. All Scripture is God-breathed. Pneuma, God's Spirit, lives and dwells on the inside of this book. It's the only book that when you read it, the author shows up. It is the ever-living, always the same, yesterday, today, and forever, Word of God that God wants you to build your life upon. It is the Word of God. The Bible says, I believe it's 1 Peter, that uh, that men of God were moved by the Holy Spirit to write these pages. It's why the devil so badly wants you to speculate. Why? Because he knows, and I'm going to show you this, that if he can attack your belief system, if he can get you to push back from the Word of God and say, this isn't what it says that it is, then he can begin to deteriorate the core fibers of what it is that you stand upon when opposition shows up in your life. The Word, truth, It produces a core conviction that manages, listen to this, your thoughts, your words, and your actions. I'll say it again, the word of God, the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, not a truth, the truth, and life. The word, the truth, produces a core conviction on the inside of you that governs, if you will. It manages, listen to this, your thoughts. Hebrews 4, uh, 12 says, also, uh, says, The word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God did not want you to try to navigate through your life on your own. He asked you to submit yourself underneath the governing of his word. To say, Father God, what does your word say? It doesn't matter what the news is declaring. The world is going wild like never before. And the devil and everybody would want you to get into a place of fear, to get you into a place of trepidation to where you begin to isolate yourself, to draw back, to go, God, I don't know what we're going to do. And all of a sudden, you're, you're not being the one that is impacting your culture and your community as God has assigned you to do. Why? Why would I want to go out into the world? Because there is a belief. There's something that's on the inside of me that says, If God be for me, who could be against me? No weapon that is formed against me can prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me shall be found as false and inaccurate. Why? Because my righteousness is of him, says the Lord. These are the things that we meditate on, that we get deep, deep on the inside of us. Why? Not so we can stand up and go, I can memorize scripture. (laughs) No, but we make a belief system on the inside of us that when the opposition comes, something rises up and says, I don't believe that, I believe this. I believe that God is true. Let God be true. And every man a liar. I hear the report of the doctor, but I'm not stopping there. I got to go back to what is it that I what is it that I believe? I ask you again this morning, what do you believe? What are you holding on to? What is it that is controlling your thoughts? Dictating the way that you think? The words that you say, the Bible tells us out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. Your belief system, what you've created on the inside, begins to create your world by the words you release. If the devil can attack your belief system, he can alter your words to begin to attack the life that God gave you. Pants on fire. Come on, brother. Thoughts, words, and your deeds revolve around your belief system. Dismantling a biblical-based belief based on the actions of others or, the, or their words or the lack of results, according to our timeline, we become vulnerable to deception. We become vulnerable to being deceived. To where we begin to believe something that is actually not true. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 39. I love this verse. But we are not of those who draw back. We are not of those who draw back to perdition or to destruction, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Everything revolves around your belief system. Your very salvation began with you believing, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you believe in your Heart and you confess with your mouth, the Bible says you will be saved. It all begins with your belief system. I like to say it this way, believing is the initiator of faith and trust is its protection. Believing is the initiator of your faith, the thing that reaches out and lays hold of the unseen and makes it a reality in your life. And the more that you believe something, the more that you'll begin to speak things. And then you say, Father God, I'm trusting that you are a God of fulfillment. That you're not a man that you should lie. If you said it, you'll do it. If you spoke it, you're going to bring it to pass. God, you are a God of fulfillment. You're not a God that lies. I believe in you. What am I doing? I'm confessing that core conviction that lives on the inside. And I'm guiding and directing the course of my future. Not just so I can I have a great life, man, we're doing good now, but because we're on mission. We're here for a purpose. We're here because God has destined us to be His children right before He returns. And the devil's wanting to weaken you. He wants you to get frightful, full of fear. He wants you to draw back, to give up. I'm here today to tell you don't give up. I said, don't give up. Don't give in. Don't allow God, I'm sorry, Satan to steal your core conviction of belief. That'll never happen. It'll never come to pass. Not for you. Come on, those are the lies of the enemy that are trying to simply to get you to say, I give up, I'm throwing in the towel, it's over, it's done for. No, but you and I are not, we don't give up. Come on, somebody, we're not those that give up, we're not throwing in the towel. We're going to stand the test of time. Why? Because it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the strength, the stability, the reinforcing of the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I'm not backing up. I'm not giving up. I'm believing to the saving of my soul. Your spirit is made new in Christ. Your soul must be renewed daily. This is so critical. It's so important. Your mind must be renewed daily by God's word. A renewed mind affects the seat of your emotions. It affects your feelings, your affections, and your desires. When we renew our mind to the word of God, we become agreeable to his will. We put ourselves in union and harmony with his will. Jesus said it this way, not my will, but your will be done. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 has become so true to me. I've preached it a thousand times over and over again. Y'all know the verse, cast all your cares upon the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. Cast your cares upon the Lord for he cares for you. It's amazing that it's things, scriptures that I've known my whole life, scriptures that I've preached all of a sudden have found depth and a weight that I've never seen before as I stand in, 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 in places where there's opposition in my life. I begin to see how it's valuable for me to not just know the verse, but actually the Bible says don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a, be a doer of it. There's things in, the, in your life, there's situations maybe that you're going through that, that, that are happening in your life that naturally you have no control over. Naturally, there's nothing that you can do about it. And the reason that God informs us here where it comes to our statement of belief, our, our, our belief, our core conviction is that when you worry, when you take on the care, it hinders your belief. You ultimately are saying, Father God, I don't believe that you can do what you say you can do. I have to take matters into my own hands. And when you truly say, God, I cast the weight of this over on you, what are you doing? You're releasing the energy and the time that you spend thinking about it. And I so no longer am I going to try to fix that. God, it's your situation. The world will say, well, you're just being irresponsible. No, actually, I'm being very responsible. Because I'm putting that situation in his hands, and I'm saying, Father God, I actually believe that you are my caretaker. I can't do it, God. I can't handle this. I don't know what to do about this. I don't have the answer to that, but I know that you do. You know all things. And Father God, I thank you that I cast a weight of this over on you. And when you do that, you relinquish the respon- the, the weight, the, the, the worry and the care to him, and it enables God to begin to work in your life. Believing God, casting the care of it, over on you. Jumping back into Mark chapter five, picking back up there with Jairus, he made this statement. I want you to see this this morning. I want you to begin as we're wrapping up. I want you to begin to think about something maybe that you're dealing with in your life. Something that you're facing, opposition. Maybe it's simply just a question, a decision that you're going to have to to make something that is facing you right now that is bigger than just where we're going to eat after church. Come on, somebody. But I want you to begin to listen to these three stories because I'm going to bring out very quickly, these are my, if you will, three points, but three encounters that people had with Jesus. We see Jairus here. He comes up and he makes his statement of faith. He says, Jesus, I believe that you lay your hands on my daughter. She will live. And you jump down to verse Thirty-five. It says, and while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, your daughter is dead. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? I love the amplified uh, version of verse 36. Jesus overhearing but ignoring what they said. You're going to you're going to have to become a professional ignorer of what they said. Because what they said most of the time is in opposition to your direct statement of belief that said, my daughter will live. At this moment, Jairus found himself at a crossroad. Whether I was going to believe what I spoke and what I said that my daughter will live, or I will believe the report that came to me that my daughter is dead. Is it important what you believe? In this story, life and death were hanging in the balance. And I love that Jesus tells them, overhearing but ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear, only keep on believing. In that moment, his decision to abandon his belief, or to solidify and to allow the word of God to become priority and final authority in his life, or rather the fear of what was spoken to grip him. You and I face these kind of situations every day. Are you going to believe the report of the Lord, of the word, or what they say? Look at Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, here's a story. Jesus comes off of the Mount of Transfiguration. A man has brought his child that is demon-possessed to the disciples. They're not able to deliver him. This man brings sees Jesus and brings his child before Jesus. And says, can you help me? And Jesus begins to ask him questions. How long has this been going on? Mark 9, 22. And how often has he thrown thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, this is the word of the Father, not Jesus, not God, I'm talking about the, the man. If there's anything that you can do, have compassion on us. Listen to me. This was a statement of hopelessness and desperation. God will never leave you in a place of hopelessness or desperation. Your your panic, your plea does not move God. Notice what Jesus does. He doesn't leave him there. He moves him into a state of belief. And Jesus said to him, if you, if you can believe all things, everybody say all things. It covers everything, folks. All things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible to him who believes. I love verse 24. It says, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. What I love about Jesus here is that he didn't respond in the moment of hopelessness and desperation, but rather moved the father simply into a place of getting him to say, God, I do believe, help my unbelief. And it is in that moment that Jesus began to act in his life. I'll tell you this, you can believe in your heart and the doubt in your head. Your your mind might be telling you, man, this is over. You're going under. It's never going to happen. Your business is bankrupt. Man, there's no hope. There's no future. But if you've been meditating on the Word of God, your heart will begin to speak to you. Your heart will begin to declare to you the promises of the Word of God. And I believe that some of us, that we feel that way. God, I believe. Help my unbelief. The last story is Luke chapter, Luke chapter five. Look at this real quick, and I'm wrapping up with this. I know this seems like a lot, but I want you to identify with one of these stories. Luke chapter five, 12 and 13. It says this, this is the leper. And it happened when he was in a certain city that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus, and he also fell on his face He begged, he implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, watch this, here's his statement of faith, you can make me clean. He knew that he would, he just didn't know, or he knew that he could, he just didn't know if he would. Sometimes I think people identify that way. I know God can heal me, I just don't know if he will heal me. I know God can supply all my needs, I just don't know if he will supply all my needs. And I love what Jesus says to the leper. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. What I want you to see this morning as we look at these, I'm wrapping up, as if you have one man that comes and says, if you do it, I know she'll be healed. You have another man that is in complete desperation, and he's just, if you can do anything. And God, Jesus had to move into a place to make a statement of belief that said, I believe, but help my own belief. And then you have another man that knew he could, didn't know if he would. But I'm here today to tell you, stand with me as we wrap up. As we begin to end the service this morning, here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin to solidify on the inside of you a statement of belief. What is your statement of belief? I want to move us into a place that we're no longer speculating, we're no longer wondering about what God's going to do, we're not standing back crying and pleading i'm not belittling the situation we have those moments where we have to we're in the emotion that we're caught up in but at some point you're going to have to allow jesus to get you out of the place of emotion and into the place of believing you're going to have to get into the place where you know that my god is able. Because we are not of those who are drawing back. Come on church, this is the message. This is what God wants you to hear today. God, He wants you not to draw back. He doesn't want you to become intimidated, isolated, or removed from the places of influence that He's positioned you. He wants you to become confident and bold in who your God is everybody around you might second guess your belief and they may say, yeah, I've seen this and yeah, this happened and I saw that pastor or that minister do this and everybody's trying to dismantle. Why? Because they want to sabotage what God wants to do in your life through your belief. It's It's Satan's goal. It's his trick. It's his maneuver to question what God has said about you. In Luke chapter 3, Jesus cracks, God cracks the sky and begins to speak and tell, this is my son and who I am well pleased. Luke chapter 4, Jesus is in the desert, tempted by the devil. And the first thing the devil says, if you are who God says you are, prove it. What was he doing? He was attacking the belief system. He was attacking the validity of of what God had said to Jesus. I believe the devil's been doing that to some of us here today. I'm trying to get you to a place of desperation. Despair. Hopelessness. I don't see how, I don't see how this is going to work out. And I'm here today to tell you. If you'll begin to solidify in your heart. Your statement of belief. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.